Welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. Glad you could make it. This is Pastor Daryl, and I hope that today's episode is a special blessing to you. So, here we go. Christ is risen! Praise the Lord. And you know, not even a pandemic can stop Christians all around the world from celebrating his victory. I was uh, I happened upon a poem that some of you probably I'm sure have already seen on social media, but I thought I'd share it because it's a, a wonderful poem called "How the Virus Stole Easter," written by Christy uh, Bother, and it's written in the same style as Dr. Seuss's "How the Grinch Stole Christmas." "'Twas late in 19 when the virus began, bringing chaos and fear to all people each land. People were sick, hospitals full, doctors overwhelmed, no one in school. As winter gave way to the promise of spring, the virus raged on, touching peasant and king. People hid in their homes from the enemy unseen. They YouTubed and Zoomed and social distanced and cleaned. April approached and churches were closed. There won't be an Easter, the world supposed. There won't be church services and egg hunts are out. No reason for new dresses when we can't go about. Holy Week started as bleak as the rest. The world was focused on mass and on tests. Easter can't happen this year, proclaimed, online and at home. It just won't be the same. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the days came and went. The virus pressed on, it just would not relent. The world woke Sunday and nothing had changed. The virus still menaced the people estranged. Poo-poo to the saints, the world was grumbling. They're finding out now that no Easter is coming. They're just waking up. We know what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. And then all the saints will cry, boo-hoo. That noise said the world will be coming some, will be something to hear. So it paused and the world put its hand to its ear. And it did hear a sound coming through all the skies. It started down low and it started to rise. But the sound wasn't depressed. Why, this sound was triumphant. It couldn't be so. But it grew with abundance. The world stared around, popping its eyes, then in shock, What it saw was a shocking surprise. Every saint in every nation, the tall and the small, was celebrating Jesus in spite of it all. It hadn't stopped Easter from coming. It came somehow or another. It came just the same. And the world with his life quite stuck in quarantine stood puzzling and puzzling. Just how can it be? It came without bonnets. It came without bunnies. It came without egg hunts, cantatas, or money. Then the world thought of something it hadn't before. Maybe Easter, it thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Easter perhaps means a little bit more. And then what happened then? Well, the story is not done. What will you do? Will you share with that one or two more people needing hope in this night? Will you share the source of your life in this fight? The churches are empty, but so is the tomb. 
and Jesus is victor over death, doom, and gloom. So this year at Easter, let this be our prayer. As the virus still rages all around everywhere, may the world see hope when it looks at God's people. May the world see the church is not a building or steeple. May the world find faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. May the world find joy in a time of dejection. May 2020 be known as a year of survival. But only, not only that, let it start a revival. And I certainly hope it does. Praise the Lord. I hope many people, I believe many more people are, are in, in church virtually than we have seen people in church physically in many years. More people are hearing more preaching on social media than ever before. And people are turning the Lord to the Lord. I was this morning, I was preparing for service today, and I, I, I was in my office here, and, and it was quiet, and I heard something outside. And I opened the door, and wafting in the wind from some distance, I'm not sure how far, but some distance I could hear hymns being played in celebration the Easter day. Resurrection Sunday. Have you ever wondered why Easter isn't as big as Christmas? We don't have, we don't hear people playing Easter carols all the time or putting up their Easter lights. I don't know for sure. I can only guess that there's more secular tradition associated with Christmas. More cultures and history have put more time and energy in celebrating the, the winter solstice which coincides with Christmas, so you have all these traditions, both pagan and Christian, kind of meshed together. Whatever the reason, Christians, uh, we, as, we as Christians should have put as much focus on Easter as we do Christmas. Of course, that's the way it was for the first thousand years or so. Did you know that? For the first millennium, the, the Christian church, Christ's followers, celebrated Christ's resurrection more than they did his birth. I think it makes sense. If your house is on fire, you, you'd be happy to see the fire department, but you'd be even happier if they managed to put out the fire. So it is with Christ. We, we are happy that he arrived, but he didn't just come and, and spend some time with us as if he were simply on a visit. No, he came for a reason. Jesus had a mission to accomplish. And his resurrection was the finish line. From the book of Luke, chapter 24, and I'm going to read multiple verses, so I'm not going to have the scripture verses up today. You can follow along your Bible if you like, but Luke 24, 1, or you can just listen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They had found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary the Son of Man be portrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and when he stooped in and to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. So he went away amazed at what had happened. And John gives us a little more detail on that, so I want to read that as well. John chapter 20. Begin with verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciples went out, heading for the tomb. Two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but was folded up in a separate piece by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she was crying, she, she stood to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying. One at one head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them. And I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing that he was a gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. You see, Mary actually preached the first gospel sermon, I have seen the Lord. He's alive! 
It had been almost three days since Jesus died. Time had passed since that terrible day when the man they thought was their Messiah had been executed. They thought this guy had been foretold. He seemed to know things. He seemed to understand things. He was healing people. He was working different miracles. This has to be the Messiah. And they kill him. Because remember, the Bible said they didn't understand yet that he had to die. And the disciples were all in hiding. They were scared of death that uh, they were going to be hunted down and executed themselves for being part of Jesus' group. They were all wondering if they were next. Then something wonderful happened. Word got out that Jesus was alive. He's not dead. And this fact, this reality, is the cornerstone of our faith. John MacArthur wrote, The resurrection is the ground of our assurance. It's the basis for all our future hopes. And it's a source of power in our daily lives here and now. It gives us courage in the midst of persecution, comfort in the midst of trials, and hope in the midst of this world's darkness. And I tell you that that courage and comfort and hope, it is most noticeable in times like this. When all the world is despairing and worrying, wringing their hands in worry, we always end up just showing this quiet courage and like, why are you acting differently? And those are the times we can share the reason for our hope. John Stott said Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. I think the Apostle Paul said it better. He wrote, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put on our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. That's what Paul wrote to, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ's resurrection was a game changer and, and not just for the disciples. It changed everything in this world. There was a time when the Holy Spirit was only given to a select few. Now anyone who surrenders to God can be filled with the Spirit. There was a time when we were lost in sin without hope. 
Now we can look to God for forgiveness and be freed from the bondage of sin. There was a time when we could not have a personal relationship with God. Now we can cry out to Him as our own Father. When Jesus died, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, this big, heavy curtain, was rent, was, was torn in two from the top to the bottom. It wasn't, it didn't, bottom to top, that would have been a natural tearing. The weight of the curtain possibly started to pair from the bottom or man tearing from the bottom. Why was that significant? Why did God do that? A few years ago, we had the, the tabernacle experience here. And if you ever get a chance to visit it, I, I, I encourage you to do so. It is amazing. I would do it every year if I could. But they have a replica of the tabernacle that the Israelites built and, and used as they traveled in the desert. And the very center of it is the Holy of Holies. And you go in there, you just you just you feel a sense of awe. But the Holy of Holies was was it represented the throne of God. And did you know it was considered so sacred that a person only entered in there once a year? Only one person once a year dared enter in, in there, go in there. To, 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 go, to have that kind of connection with God, to go where God was. But now, because of what Jesus, because he, he he died and he rose from the, that 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 curtain tore, showing that God connection access to God is free and open to anyone. From the most moral man to the to the worst devil. Worst scoundrel can call out to God and say, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. We can, and in fact, the Bible, Jesus calls us his priests. We're priests of God, so we can we can enter continually into God's presence through Jesus Christ. That's amazing grace. It's so easy to dismiss this reality and take it for granted. Are you taking advantage of this privilege daily? This privilege that the Old Testament. Uh, Israelites who were believers could not even imagine we have access to it the, the new covenant was inaugurated on Calvary giving us a say into the holy of holies as it says in Hebrews chapter 4 therefore let us draw near with confidence or boldness to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in help. Find grace to help in time of need. There was a time when everyone dreaded death. Now we don't have to. 
Back in 2008, God sanctified me, and, and one night, not long after God sanctified me, I woke up to a tremendous temptation. And I immediately looked to God for help. Well, I soon fell back to sleep, but then later in the night, I woke up again to this overwhelming sense of God's presence. I had never felt anything like that before or since. And I really, I thought my heart was going to stop. I thought, is this it? Is this, is this, am I punching my ticket? Do you know what I felt? It wasn't fear. It was anticipation. I was not afraid of death thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The victory is with Jesus. Now this is just a short list of all that's been changed because of him. The fact that Jesus came back to life is why we're here today, why we meet every week, why we have a church, why churches even exist. So this afternoon, let's look at Christ's resurrection. Let's look at some of the prophecies and what it proved and the resulting commission to you and I. From 1 Corinthians, I... Uh, well, the resurrection, I, I wanted to point out, is God's... I, I read this this week and I wanted to share. I thought it was wonderful. The resurrection is God's amen to Christ. It is finished. The resurrection is God's amen to Christ. It is finished. You know, amen means, you remember what that means? That means let it be so. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says, But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. God sealed that contract. And And we can, because he was raised, we look forward to being raised too. Did you know Jesus' resurrection was predicted in the Bible? The prophets predicted it in Hosea. We read chapter, uh, Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. In Psalm, we read Psalm 16, verses 9 through 10. Therefore, let my, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your holy ones see decay. And 
Not only did the Old Testament prophets uh, predict Christ's resurrection, Jesus himself predicted it. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he said, Jesus said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 31, it reads, He then began to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the leaders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, so that he must be killed and after three days rise again. You see, this was part of a plan. It wasn't a tragedy. It wasn't an accident. When Adam and Eve sinned, God initiated a plan that would take millennia to come to fruition. God called a man named Abram out of the world, made a nation out of his descendants, taught the people of this nation his law instituted ceremony that would remind us of the cost of sin by sacrificing innocent lambs to atone for the wrong we have done. From that nation came the Messiah, the Lamb who would take away the sin of the world. Now also Jesus' resurrection was proof of his power and claims. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 it says and and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord if if you told me that you are God and no one can come to the father except through you I'm not going to believe you I'm going to think you're crazy if you predict your own death and resurrection and I see you die and I see you placed in a tomb and three days later you walk out alive, I'm going to believe what you say. What makes Jesus different from all the other teachers, prophets, self-proclaimed messiahs or gods? Only Jesus, only Jesus died and came back to life. The resurrection puts it all in perspective. It changes everything forever. Jesus is Lord. You must face that fact. You, do not, you don't have to believe it for it to be true. It, it is true and God will someday judge the sin of the world through Jesus. Christ's resurrection secured his authority over death and the grave and our forgiveness. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we'd still be dead in our sins. We would still love the darkness and all that is associated with it, violence, lust, greed, and would hate the light and all that is associated with it, truth, accountability, and purity. Note that it says the obedience that comes from faith. This means that obedience is a proof of faith. If you will not obey, then you don't believe. A lot of people say they believe, but their lives don't match it. Don't settle for false belief. This is a day for a wholehearted, real faith. It's, it's a day to believe once and for all that Jesus died for you. 
that He has paid the price to rescue you from the bondage of sin, from the penalty of sin, from the from and from the kingdom of the devil. You're among those called. The invitation has your name on it. You know that there's an invitation with your name on it. You who have messed up, believe in Jesus and obey Him. You who have regrets, today is the day to put the past behind you. Today, He's calling drunkards and addicts, come, believe in Him and be free. Today, He's calling those who have sinned sexually outside of marriage, come, believe in Him and live a life of purity. Today, He's calling those who have stolen, come, believe in Him. Do not regret the wasted years, believe and obey today. Come, believe in Him and live a life of honest work. Today he's calling those who have cheated, come believe in him and live a life of integrity and wholeness. Today he's calling those who have been greedy, come believe in him and live a life of simplicity and joy. He's calling criminals. Today believe in him and be free from your lawless activity. He's calling all who have sinned, come believe in him and receive his grace. It's freely given and be forgi- be forgiven and forsake your life of sin and obey Jesus. Come, belong to the man who rose from the dead. You're among those who are called. You aren't left out. You are included. Later today, we're going to take communion. We're going to get back to come back together. Uh, where we're meeting now, we're going to take communion in a couple hours. It represents our full dedication to Christ. And you don't want to take part of this if your heart is not right with God. So let me say this. If you've never been a believer and you'd like to be, if you've drifted from God and you're returning today, if you're hearing the call of God today and you feel the hope of grace and free forgiveness stirring in your heart, if you know that you need to repent, repent now. Very soon we're going to bow our heads and pray, and I encourage you to take this moment to do whatever business you need to do with God. And after service... Feel free to reach out to Missy or me for prayer or if you just want to talk. Now come, let us pray together and receive His grace. Thank you for joining us today. If you liked what you heard, you're welcome to give us a rating, a review on Apple iTunes. If you have any questions, need anything, you're welcome to... Email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can find our website at ServantsHeartChapel.org. Thank you so much and have a blessed day.